This is the Tallahassee Business Podcast, brought to you by the Greater Tallahassee Chamber of Commerce. Thank you to our sponsor, 223 Agency, a digital relations firm helping you maximize and develop your digital footprint. Check them out on the web at 223agency.com. Without further ado, enjoy this episode of the Tallahassee Business Podcast. Hey there, Tallahassee. Welcome to another edition of the Tallahassee Business Podcast. My name is Jay Revel. I'm your host of the show, and we are just delighted to have you listening with us once again. We have a great episode in store for you today. Someone that has been a a great friend of mine, a great friend to our community, and, and, and one of the most just impressive advocates for a cause that's really personal to him and near and dear to many in our community. Uh, we've got Dr. J.R. Harding uh, on the show with us, and, and J.R. is someone, again, I've had the pleasure of knowing for almost a decade now since my old days uh, working in the county courthouse with the uh, Commissioner Daly's office back in the day, and JR would always be uh, uh, coming to us to, again, talk about issues that really pertain to persons with disabilities and things that really matter to that part of our community. And he's such a great advocate for that space. Thought it would be incredibly timely to have him come on our show and talk a little bit about the 30th anniversary of the American with Americans with Disabilities Act. And, and what that means for people in our community today, where we stand and, and how things are progressing still. And uh, I just think you're gonna enjoy hearing this conversation, folks. So without further ado, I'm gonna bring on uh, JR. How are you, my friend? It's good to see you. Well, thank you so much, Jay. And really, it's always a pleasure. And you're quite right, I, as you were going through that intro, I almost felt like I was back downtown and and the city and the county commission uh, building. And it it reminds me, I need to go talk to our mayor. (laughs) Yeah, go bug him a little bit. Right. There's something he needs to be doing. Right, exactly, exactly. Well, well, thank you. You're quite right. This um, July 26th is the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And 30 years, really isn't that long ago. And it was the last set of civil rights this country has passed, right? It grabbed the largest minority population, the only disability, uh, the only group that encompasses all people, old, young, little, white, black, Latin, right? Asian, it doesn't matter. It is the single inclusive minority population in the world affecting everyone and everyone's family at some point in time during our journeys as persons and good stewards in this world. And and so mine began 37 years ago, September 25, 1983, when in that blink of an eye, just being a silly young boy, trying to do the right things, instantly my life changed. And many people encounter that in the work environment, right? Car accident, um, hiking, skiing, biking, things happen, or it simply could be age related or disease that then substantially limits one or more activities for a lifetime. Right, and the Americans with Disabilities Act, as President Bush 41 said, 
let's tear down this wall of discrimination. Let's empower 61 million Americans to have full and unfettered access to all parts of our community with employment being the first bullet of the Americans with Disabilities Act, Title I, all about employment. And, and so for me, it became that driving force because the doctor said, one, he may only have 20 years, and two, he'll probably live in an institution for the rest of his life. Well, neither of those were acceptable to me or to my family or to our communities. And I've just been really blessed, I feel, to have come to Tallahassee, to Florida State, and to be in a town and environment where people care about each other, right? Where people want to give folks opportunities, where people have the right attitude and the can-do kind of approaches to life when they're educated on the issues because you don't know what you don't know, right? Right? The plumber doesn't know about the concrete, right? The electrician or doesn't know about the plumbing. The pool guy doesn't know about lawn care, right? The accountant doesn't know about this, right? We all have our expertise. And, and so mine in this disability space has come through getting off of the sidelines of life, Jay, right? Saying, hey, I want to be a part of the team. And what kinds of barriers do you stumble across as you're tearing down that wall of full inclusion? That's a great way to put it. You know, I, I, I think about, you know, myself, I'm 33 years old, uh, you know, young buck here, uh, still a little bit. Um, but I, I, as I was going through some of, the, of our notes and conversations before this uh, talk, I was thinking back to, you know, I, I, what, what, the, what was that world like before the ADA was passed? I mean, I, I would imagine uh, in the early years after your accident, you must have come across just some remarkable barriers uh, in every walk of your life. Well, and, and that was the shocker. You know, a lot of people say, well, how can you do it? Well, I didn't have a choice. You either love life or you don't. You either quit or you don't. And that's how we're made. And those barriers that you speak of, they were shocking. And each one was different. And each one you stumbled across. And it was everything from using a sidewalk to getting through a door to having no curb cut, not able to use a hotel, not, to, not able to go on a vacation. Right? I remember, Jay, since we used age, Spring break 86, okay? We left Ohio and went all the way down to Daytona to misbehave. My buddies had to pick me up and carry me through the bathroom door because the door wasn't wide enough. And they had to angle my big six foot five body frame, kind of like moving a refrigerator into the house, right? There was no walk-in shower or roll-in shower and then lay me down in that bathtub like Moby Dick and I'm sticking out the one end and sticking out the other end. Right. 
and then trying to pick me up from that ground level when you got clean. Really? None of this made sense. And so from 86, really, to the 1990, right before the act was passed, many more seasoned advocates were pushing federal legislation and building upon on the 1968, the 1973 Rehab Act, and saying, we can build a better America. We can, we can change places. We can make it inclusive. I remember very clearly, Jay, being the only one on the college campus of 35,000 students with a disability, being the guinea pig everywhere I went. And, you know, hence the truth is, I was the guinea pig for leadership Tallahassee, right? Class 19, right? We had to learn, well, how could JR be a part of the, you know, um, what is it, the burns out there, tall timbers, right? Where did we find a vehicle with a lift on it? How could he go with our classmates out to Jacksonville? What was his role in SimSoc, right? All of these little transformational steps, getting people to think, well, should people come in through side doors, right? Should the group be separated? Those things are, are really are not our values in this community. And so that's what I have been fighting for is that there is a role for everybody to play. And it starts with having the right attitude, building upon minimum standards and exceeding them whenever possible. Because the truth is, Jay, if it's good for me, it's really good for you. Yeah, absolutely. JR, tell me a little bit about just your, your the arc of your career and just that, that lifetime of, uh, of advocacy. You're a published author. Give me a little bit of a, a, an overview just to, of your story from a career perspective. Well, that's really the beginning of it, Jay, was what could a quadriplegic do to earn a living, make a contribution, and take care of his family's needs? Really didn't know, right? And we discovered, well, education in the late 80s was the only place that was kind of accessible because of the federal laws regarding Section 504 and programmatic accessibility. And so that's where I began. But when I was ready and I was qualified and had my master's degree and had fulfilled all of those student teaching requirement hours and so forth, I still had to go to the full school board to see if a quadriplegic should be in the classroom. Now, that didn't happen on, in our town, but that's kind of where we were as a society. And so from there, we, uh, we discovered that maybe I needed to be a principal or administrator or getting involved in public policy. And that's how um, arriving here at Florida State because I needed to become more qualified than you, Jay, 
to get that initial job, right? For someone to take a risk, right? And then I discovered by willing to be that pioneer, right? That frontiersman, right? The, uh, the having that drive in me wanting to travel west, right? That then Mayor Daly, Commissioner Deloge, and others then felt comfortable in learning with me what were some of the barriers that were prohib prohibiting not only me, but thousands of other Leon residents, Leon County residents and city residents, and Floridians for that matter, from that full and equal participation. Whether it was simply going to get a gallon of milk, right? Going to the movies, going out to dinner, taking that vacation, and most importantly, having that job. So I evolved in um, various roles from um, state government to the federal government, private consulting, as you said, um, serving as an expert witness in some cases, helping our businesses understand when they got caught in the um, ABA drive-through gotcha lawsuits where folks, again, didn't know what they didn't know, right? Misinformation about, oh, there was grandfathering clause. Well, no, there's no such thing as grandfathering when it comes to equal access, right? Inclusion is inclusion. People should all go through the front door. People need a parking space. We need to maintain um, access, and we have an obligation to maintain that access. I was, you know, the other day I was thinking and watching the sidewalk constructions and they blocked off, I don't know, almost a mile running down Meridian. And I was thinking, well, I'm glad I don't live on these blocks because I can't travel down the other side of the road. So that goes back to us teaching everybody having a role in maintaining the accessible components of our society and our community. So today I find myself at Florida State University, part of the College of uh, Business within the management arena. And I'm excited because I'm now passing the baton to the next set of leaders, helping the future Jays the future Sue Dix, the future Mayor Daly's get this whole disability world. Yeah, JR, I think about again all the changes you must have seen, you know, throughout your lifetime. Uh, certainly, I, I get the sense things are much improved, but are, are they still improving? Are things still getting better in today's world, you think? Well, I, I think this is an important context and the uh, example I like to give folks is imagine going from the dark ages where people were uneducated, we didn't have plows, the wheel was just invented, right? And, and people were afraid. And then we hit the Renaissance and all of those dynamic and exciting things going on. And then and by also bringing people with disabilities and alternative perspectives and other members of minority community 
into the party, right? Because diversity drives innovation. Facing challenges drives innovations, right? And I think that's one of the pieces I've been trying to champion for our, our community. What about, you know, you, you, again, you talk about the role we all play in, in, in trying to be better uh, partners and advocates for persons with disabilities. Uh, what, you know, when we think about our business community, um, what are some things that businesses should be thinking about to be more accommodating to uh, everyone? Well, that's, that's a, a great piece. Everyone thinks, oh, well, that's been handled. And the truth is, when you run around the community today, you see everyone meeting a minimum standard. And that's all that's required by law. Okay, but now the question is, is a minimum standard good enough for your family? Is a minimum standard good enough for your business? And ultimately, there's over 575 billion let me say that again, $575 billion of discretionary money within the disability community. Do you want to leave 20% of your potential net profits on the side? Right, so if you're building a business, expanding your business, or wanting to find new markets, this 20% makes pretty good sense to me, right? And because disability affects all ranges at all times, if you don't have a transition plan, if you don't have a disability plan as a part of your business model integrated seamlessly, you're losing out on opportunities and honestly, could be a disservice to you. Because Jay, once you do your 30 or 40 years, guess what? You want to be able to read your 401k plan, right? Well, if your computer's not accessible and you're not able to access your retirement information online, how can you make some informed decisions? You can't, right? So really there's a life cycle thinking here of accessibility from birth to death. And it fits all the way from the recruitment to the retirement stage for all of your staff and customers. And so I would encourage our businesses to always um, to exceed the minimum standard, right? You know, JR, I, I sit here thinking about the environment we're all in right now uh, with the, the pandemic ongoing. So much of our lives have seemingly shifted quickly uh, to a digital existence, um, you know, just like this conversation we're having. Um, you know, I, I'd much rather have, have the opportunity to be with you in person, but we can't really do that right now. But I, I think about, you know, again, persons with disabilities, and the challenges that they might be going through right now as our society is, is really accelerated in a new direction so quickly. Um, what's, what's sort of happening on that front right now? Well, that's, uh, there are two sides to this equation, at least um, from my immediate perspective. 
one, there's much we can learn from our members within the disability community who are used to overcoming barriers. It is just fundamentally a part of their DNA, okay? And, and the strength that we, we could borrow from members of the disability community of learning how to deal with the unknown. And then the other part of this, as you were saying, well, as we're building these new digital space, what does 5G look like? How does the accessibility requirements to ensure the 80-year-old grandma, right? as well as your six-year-old kid who may be attending um, first grade this year online. How are those pieces functional for a variety of age groups and needs? And that we are smart enough to do this. We just have to be conscious enough to build it in from the jump start. Yeah, I, I studied uh, advocacy and public policy at FSU, both undergrad and grad school, and obviously that's that's my role here at the chamber. And uh, I always enjoy talking with people who are who are in the space of advocacy and thinking about you know how you can move the needle on something that matters a lot to you and, and, and that you're passionate about. And you're a great example of that. You know, I, I, let's let's go beyond just persons with disabilities and think about people who have causes uh, here in our own community, what, what kind of things would you recommend to people who want to be better advocates? Uh, what, what works when you're trying to convince someone to make change? Well, passion. Do it with some dignity. Do it with some non-offensive sets of language. Invite people to learn what they don't know in a bird's eye view. I, I remember like, for example, with the, the county access and, and the county building was built pre-1990 and UJ could go through the basement or um, any of the side doors or up top. Well, the truth was back then, only persons with disabilities could go through the top off of Monroe Street. Well, one day the timing was right and we were able to get a commissioner and I had him push me up the hill in the Tallahassee August heat. Right, well, guess what? After that little 10 minute journey, breaking down in a sweat like he just did a three a day football day practice, he's like, we need change, right? And, 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 and created the situation where they could build not only empathy and understanding from the user's point of view, but then gave them the chance to take action, right? And I think a lot of advocates sometimes want instant gratification, Jay. That's not a realistic expectation. It takes time to move the needle and understand that no doesn't mean no forever. It just means not at this exact moment. And that would be some of the best takeaways I could give some of our fellow advocates 
that to be persistent, to be honest, be consistent, and always to maintain their passion on the issue. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, coming full circle on that, you know, what are the things you're working on today? Well, as I mentioned, first, training the next generation of leaders, giving people that comfort. I, I, I tell the story is when I roll into the classroom, my students' eyeballs are like, wow, oh, this professor's different, right? And you can hear the chatter that first day. They don't know what they're into. But you know, by the end of the semester, Jay, I'm not the professor in the wheelchair, I'm just Dr. Hardy, right? That bonding where you're able to see past some of uh, the non-relevant kinds of components. The other piece um, we're working on is James Patrick Memorial Program with the legislature. This is a workforce incentive package to assist those who do require a little bit of help every day. And um, it's called personal care assistance. So anyone with a profound disability who needs help dressing and showering and going to work and they're willing to put in that time, we use delinquent tax dollars to help them cross the finish line. Because a lot of uh, folks do, uh, do not appreciate that if you choose to work, Jay, those federal benefits from Social Security and stuff are cut off. So how do you go from, right, in school to all of a sudden needing 50, 60, or $70,000 a year or more, right? So how do we build some bridges? So the community support on the James Patrick Memorial Program would be fantastic. And and um, our elected officials who are applying uh, to get um, elected here in November and those who will be around having their support there. Another piece, of course, is um, the digital space, pushing more and more of that and, and how it can be more seamless. I mean, the simple thing like a Zoom meeting. Remember the little sliding bar in there where you change the time? Well, truth be told, that's a little tricky to operate. Why couldn't it just be a simple drop-down but, um, button like Outlook? Mm -hmm. Right. So um, is it functional? Is it seamless? Is it usable? Does it make sense? And then the last component would be let's do everything we can to uh, look at housing and let's support that independence uh, landing that our community is uh, wanting to create. I think this would be a great space where it would be, in a sense, a Disney World of inclusion for people with and without disabilities, where their supports, their activities, their work is really in that livable, walkable environment. So some of the traditional barriers have been removed. For those maybe who don't know about that project, uh, JR, can you tell a little bit more about Independence Lane and just what that looks I, I think that's one of the most impressive ideas I've heard in a long time. I, and, it, and it's certainly something whose time is due, you know? 
Yeah, well, Independence Landing, we are borrowing some of the best practices from across the country. But essentially, think of all of the kids and really um, the adults with disabilities who are still in institutions or maybe living at home and mom and dad are aging. What happens, Jay, you know, are you then required as the sibling to take your brother, right? And how does that impact your family, right? Do you have the resources to do so or something? So this independence landing would be affordable, accessible housing, right? That is safe, um, businesses are located nearby. The assistance, when we're talking about personal care assistance, perhaps there's a partnership with the nursing school and medical school and giving everyone's needs are being met. And so I believe we're, we're looking down there in the Southwood area, are we not? Yeah. Right. And that's a, a, a beautiful part of town that's, uh, that's growing and um, the land is there. So this is exciting space and there's other communities like Noah's Ark and other places out in Oregon, up in the East Coast, where uh, states and communities have developed a, a place where everyone can age together, right? Love that. Right. Dr. Harding, it's so great to see you, hear from you. Uh, I appreciate your time coming on the show today. Talk about something that, as you pointed out, touches so many people in the world and in so many ranges of diversity. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to know you and call you a friend. And uh, you're an inspiration as someone who, who knows how to be a great advocate. I thought your points on that were just fantastic. And uh, if people want to learn more about you or the work you're doing, where, where should they go? Well, um, find me at Florida State University or on my personal website at jrharding.com. Right. Be happy to, to help in any way I can. And right, it, it, takes, it takes a community. Right. It does. So thank you for inviting me, Jay. Have a great rest of the week. And uh, let's make a difference. I like that. It's uh, a, a great ambition for us all to have is to make a difference in our own community. And that's a good way to start making the world a better place for us all to live. So Dr. J.R. Harding, thanks again for being on the show with us. We appreciate your time, uh, your energy, your efforts as an advocate in our community. Uh, again, if you, if you haven't had a chance to interact with Dr. Harding, I can't recommend that enough. Uh, a phone call, a Zoom meeting, uh, or, and if you're lucky, go, go spend some time with him in person. I think you're going to find uh, that uh, you'll come out uh, his, his passion is infectious and it will, uh, it, will, it will rub off on you in all the right ways. So uh, folks, again, thanks for listening. We appreciate your patronage here uh, at the Greater Tallahassee Chamber of Commerce. As always, if you want to listen to this show or find any of our great content related to Tallahassee's business community, you can find that on our website at www.talchamber.com. That's T-A-L chamber.com. We hope you'll also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on any of your favorite listening devices. And until next time, we will be looking forward to bringing you another story about what makes our community such a wonderful place to live, work, 
and have a great existence. Thanks for being with us.